0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. My name is uh, Daniel Kim. It's good to be here with you guys. Uh, I have the awesome privilege, along with Betty Collins, who's not here today. Uh, she's on her family reunion. Uh, but we have the privilege to lead our singles ministry here. Uh, so it's such a privilege to, to serve these singles here, because all, all of them are just great friends, and Uh, I just appreciate every single one of them. Um, I just have a quick announcement here for you guys at the top. Uh, I want to go ahead and at this time uh, dismiss all the Kids Kingdom teachers uh, for orientation. Um, That's going to be in room 16, which is by the library and not the the cafeteria. Amen? All right, so if you guys want to start moving up at this time. But uh, guys, it's good to be here. I feel like it's been a while since I uh, spoke to you guys last time. Uh, Last time I spoke to you... Uh, There was a lot of changes uh, that happened. I feel like a lot of occurrences, a lot of events have happened. So I'm no longer a single man. I have now joined the Fellowship of the Rings. And uh, yes, I am there. And uh, it's been great. So I feel like so many things have happened since then. Um, Here's a picture of our wedding there. Um, There goes Steve preceding it. But it was just a great wedding. I mean, I, I really, you know, it's really cool to be married to your best friend and uh, being able to just celebrate that day with all our loved ones. Um, and it was just like kind of almost magical. Like it happened so fast that like, I don't even remember all of it. So I'm grateful for all the photos. Our photo- photography team took 3000 photos and they asked us to only pick 25 to put in our book. And so like, that's so hard to do. I can't even pick 25. <laughs> and so we we're kind of lagging on that. We're kind of been procrastinating uh, to find all 25 that we like. Um, here's uh, some pictures of our families kind of together, uh, we have all like a, that's my side of the family, Nerissa's side of the family, uh, do you guys remember when I talked about my sister Esther last time, you guys remember that, well she's over there in the right, she basically found me on Facebook, she was adopted by another family as well, and she reached out to me, and the timing worked out where she was able to come to my wedding, it was so cool, it was like three months before my wedding, um, here's our uh, bridal party, this is our team here, um you know we couldn't have had our wedding without them you know these are all the men and women who helped and stepped up and served and 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 gave and helped with decorations and um yeah so i mean i can't say enough about them so uh they're all from different places some of them are here but i'm grateful for every single one of them here uh this is a picture of me and narice on our honeymoon i thought i showed a couple of pictures here Uh, this is we went to bangkok uh, thailand and so that's Thailand. There, it looks normal. It doesn't look, you know, any different than here, except for this. So it's the same, guys. There's traffic everywhere. The traffic's the same. It's just different multicolored cars and things like that. But it's the same. I feel like we brought the 405 with us. Uh, no matter where we went, you know, we couldn't get away from the traffic. And uh, this is—we try to watch a sunset every night. We tried our best. Um, and so this is one of our hotel here. And this is where we were grabbing dinner but uh it was just so beautiful the the sun does look different over there for some reason and so uh that's one of our pictures um this is us i think we're about to go uh to a cave excursion so we were like going into caves with like this team and it was like completely dark and the only person that had a light was our guide so you can just imagine we're swimming in a group of like 12 15 people and the only person that had a light was the guide it was like scary and here I am swimming, and I feel like I was drowning. I had a life vest on, but I still felt like I was going to drown because it was just, like, claustrophobic. Um, so this is us right before that. And this is some of the islands that we did. We kind of island hopped. Um, the water looked amazing. The water was super warm. I never hit any waters like that. So, um, and then I wanted to show one more thing. We, we had great food, uh, amazing food that we tried. I know you guys know some of my story here. The food was amazing. <laughs> The Thai food was great, we, we had, you know, mango rice and sticky rice, we had a bunch of desserts, uh, pad thai, true pad thai, with real peanut sauce, and uh, it was good. And so we stayed there for like a week and a half. On our last night, we decided to uh, try street food. And uh, I don't know, uh, my wife is pretty good at convincing me. She's like, babe, it looks so good. I see all these YouTubers go, we gotta go. And uh, so I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> And so this was our last meal, and it might just look normal, right? So we had a beer, a water, and Sprite, and uh, that's some barbecue pork ribs we got. Uh, So it looks pretty good, right? (laughs) It didn't taste too bad either. This is uh, the boiled crab we had with some of their special sauce. And I don't have a picture of the tilapia, but we have fried tilapia. But all this was like eight bucks together. Like, it was nuts. So I was like, this is getting kind of weird, because... The entire week and a half, we were eating at the hotels. We were eating at the restaurants, so food costed kind of like a normal price. But I thought this was getting kind of suspicious because it was like all this: a beer, a soda, a water, tilapia, crab, and um, pork ribs for like eight, nine dollars for both me and Noree. So we ate it, and it was okay. It, it wasn't amazing, um, but we ended up catching like salmonella. So if you guys, like, it was miserable remember this was the night before our flight the next day home so i had an 18-hour flight to come home you guys can only imagine. i'm not gonna spare you guys the details Thank you. but it was brutal like it started acting it hit narice first at night and then the next morning it hit me and i'm like oh my gosh and i was like well let's just try to you know um be healthy as we can before we get on the plane because i don't want to go to plane bathrooms we had no choice and we're in the middle so i was in the middle seat narice at the uh, window seat i felt poor you know, back for the, the guy in the, in the, in the aisle, because we kept going out probably like 30 times. And they kept bringing out food, we couldn't eat, we smelled the food, we felt nauseous. Uh, we got home, we went to the ER, and yeah, it was really bad, it was really bad. So, well, I say all that because it was definitely an adventure. Uh, our honeymoon was great, uh, but I still think about it, and it still kind of gives me the shivers, because it hasn't been that long. It's only been like three months. So I feel like I still can't really laugh at it yet, but I just thought I'd share about it. But I hope you guys can. You guys can, you're like, yes, I don't wish this sickness on anybody. This is like the worst, worst, worst feeling ever in the world. I mean, we were hooked up to IVs. They put morphine in us. It was crazy, Um, but anyhow, Uh, but it's good to be here with you guys. I feel like it has been a while. Uh, We are finishing up our series called Ordinary Heroes. And uh, basically, uh, we talked about all the heroes in the Bible that came before us, all the heroes in the faith, and we all know them, the major ones like Paul, Peter, You know Daniel and the lions. Then you know um, uh, uh, Moses parting the Red Sea. Uh, But there's characters in the Bible that we really don't hear about. That's why I kind of love this sermon series. You know Brian Craig kicked us off with Enoch uh, the first week. Then we talked about Timothy, Gideon, uh, Dustin and Catherine talked about Esther. Steve did John Mark, and today we're going to be talking about my favorite character in the Bible, Joseph. Right. So Joseph was an amazing character. I, I love him. I love him for so many things. But just like in the, in the Bible, like with all the other characters, he was ordinary just like you and me. He wasn't special. He didn't have superpowers. He wasn't really truly gifted at, you know, all these things, but he was ordinary. And, and the cool thing about all these characters is that they were all obedient to God, amen? And so God used ordinary people, just like you and me, to fulfill his purpose. So uh, we don't have a lot of time today. I, I was told, uh, Sean Payne told me to tell Maddie that I only have 40 minutes. So Maddie, if you can put me on the clock, she's sitting next to Andy, uh, Wendy here. Um, so we don't have a lot of time here, Sean told me to do that. Um, but we're going to go ahead and get started here. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of fast forward a little bit. Uh, it starts off in Genesis chapter, 30, chapter 37, and it goes all the way to Genesis 50. And if you guys haven't read the entirety of Joseph's story, I encourage you guys to do so. It's so, so cool to, to read. It's so easy to read. You know, there's Bible, uh books in the Bible like Exodus and Leviticus, it can get kind of dry and hard to read through, but man, it was so easy to read. But uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and recap Genesis chapter 37 for us. Uh, and it's a story about Joseph, and he was a 17-year-old boy with issues, just like all of us, you know, any kid that was 17 years old. He grew up with 11 brothers, a sister, a father who had two wives and two concubines. Let's stop right there. That's probably a lot of problems right there, right? Um, <laughs> There was dysfunction in the family, just like a lot of families. You know, Joseph was the favorite son because he was the first son born to Jacob's true love, Rachel. One day, Joseph, excuse me, Jacob gave Joseph a special gift. It was a gift of a robe. Um, But but it wasn't just any robe. The robe was super beautiful, uh, had a lot of decorations, it was long and it extended all the way down to his ankles. You know, none of his brothers got this treatment. In fact, Joseph's brothers likely had shorter sleeveless tunics that allowed them to uh, actually work a little easier so why is this important because by giving Joseph this elaborate robe it was also a sign of nobility back in those days his father was boldly implying you know you can wear this beautiful garment because you don't have to work as hard as your brothers so how do you think his brothers felt probably not not too happy right so Joseph's brothers knew that their father father loved Joseph more than him more than them which caused him to have a lot of resentment a lot of hatred towards joseph and to make matters worse joseph actually started telling him his dreams to the the brothers he started telling them the prophecies that he started getting in his mind he said the sun and moon's going to start bowing down to me then he said all you guys are going to bow down to me one day pretty prideful right you know pretty prideful um So obviously this didn't rub his brothers the right way. In fact, the the animosity grew so much for his brothers towards Joseph that they plotted to kill him, right? So They went to the wilderness, tried to kill him. His older Reuben tried to stop it and says, you know what, let's just put him in a cistern so he can come back and rescue him. But when Reuben came back, his brothers already sold him to a band of Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And then they decided to cover it up, dip his coat in goat's blood, and then they just lied to their father, "Hey." You know, your, your son Joseph was killed by wild beasts. Pretty crazy, right? That would, I mean, that would make a good TV show nowadays, right? It's crazy. A lot of stuff in there. But Joseph, Joseph was ultimately taken to Egypt and sold again to one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of a guard named Potiphar. You know, there's many reasons why I love Joseph. I love his optimism. I love how he's always positive thinking. He always thinks like the better end of the situation, right? Not the worst side. I appreciate his faithfulness. This guy does not give up. He always prayed to God. He always still believed in God no matter what. I appreciate his mercy. You know, at the end of Genesis 50, he shows a lot of mercy to his family. He doesn't hold any grudges. His perseverance, this guy was put to the test, and he passed each time. And finally, his trust in God. I mean, I don't know what it rivals, but his trust in God was, is, is at the, the top of the list. You know, all those things are great. But what i admire and appreciate joseph the most as a man i admire his integrity that's the one that stuck out to me the most his integrity you know integrity was what guarded joseph he was blameless in so many situations you know there's a a quote here by warren buffett you guys know who he is he's a billionaire super successful hired a bunch of employees have a lot of companies that are just super prosperous and he hires people and he knows who to hire but he says in looking for people to hire you look for three qualities integrity intelligence and energy and if they don't have the first the other two kill you and this is cool to me because there's all these talented people out there there's people that are gifted at this and they're strong in these strengths but if they don't have integrity eventually I'll catch up to them right and so Warren Buffett knows that so he doesn't even hire people who don't show signs of integrity. You know, but integrity isn't talked about nearly enough today. And even when it is talked about, people don't really understand it. We live in a world where the model is, the end justifies the means. It has become a, an acceptable way of thinking. So what am I trying to say? You know, salespeople overcomp- overpromise and what? underdeliver, All in the name of making their quota for the month. Applicants exaggerate on their job interviews just so they can get the job. Employees calling sick because they don't have any more paid time off when they actually just don't want to go to work. I've done that before, <laughs> not recently. Um. <laughs> or on a more personal note, have you ever tried covering up a mistake because you didn't want to get in trouble? You know, we probably all have. You know, the list could go on and on and on, and in each case, the person who was told themselves they had a perfectly valid reason why the end result justified their lack of integrity you know you made up their own stories but you know what this wasn't the case for joseph he was rejected by his brothers sold into slavery not once but twice his future looked so bleak but in the midst of all that joseph displayed great personal integrity throughout his life you know we're told here in the passages that multiple times that the lord was with joseph he became the overseer of Potiphar's house he was put in charge of everything had all the responsibilities everything he touched God blessed. You know, we're going to pick up our story here in Genesis chapter 39. My hope for you guys today is that you guys can feel inspired, hopefully feel called higher by Joseph's unwavering integrity. Amen? So let's go to God, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, God, thank you so much for this time uh, just to be here and worship together with you. God, we are uh, so grateful uh, to live here and to have the space to come and worship with all the the song leaders and, and the, the worship leaders and the instruments, God, and, and just even all the relationships in here, relationships we have in here, God, uh, we have so much in abundance, God. And when I hear about all the things that are going on in the world, God, I, I just appreciate how you keep our South Bay family close and you keep us protected. God, I pray that you just be with this lesson. I pray that you can take me out of the way completely. I pray that you can really speak uh, through me, and I pray that you can just soften up our hearts. Help us to uh, really listen to these scriptures and see what you have to say for us. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you guys can start turning your Bibles over to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to go ahead and start our Bible study here. Genesis chapter 39. I was going to put it up there, but it's 23 uh, scriptures. So I figured you guys could uh, help me out a little bit by going on your phones. So Genesis chapter 39, 1 through 23. says, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted his care, everything he owned. From the time he put in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withhold nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to tend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard this story, uh, the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. How cool is that passage? Isn't that pretty cool? I love, I love this story. I mean, it picks off, just, it, it starts off so well. It just engages you. It, it picks up with just Joseph with Potiphar. And so my first point for you guys today is, Integrity is thinking uh, beyond yourself. Integrity is thinking beyond yourself. So I want you guys to read this verse again. We're going to go back to verse 4. It says, Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and everything in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. We're going to go ahead and fast forward. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome. I love how it says that. Like, why would the the author of Genesis put that in there? He must have been really handsome and good looking, I'm I'm assuming. Um, And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife how then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God you know when a person lacks integrity other people suffer the consequences don't they you No, know, it's so easy to get caught up in the moment and think that our decisions only affect us right um, I can get I can get you know I can be guilty of that as well but in reality it affects everybody it affects all of us how many times have you guys been promised something and it didn't happen Anybody? Anybody has been lied to? Yeah, I'm sure all of us. From a salesman promising you a great deal and then you found out you got duped to uh, maybe you were promised a raise or promotion at work and after you achieve a goal and then a year later you still didn't get that raise. Or on a more personal level, maybe you care about, uh, someone you care about promised that they're going to change for the better. They're going to stop drinking. They're going to stop gambling. They're going to stop doing whatever they said they're going to stop. You know, that hurts us. When the promise is broken, it breaks trust. Joseph understood all that, and that's why he thought beyond himself. He didn't just think about himself. When Potiphar's wife asked him day after day, hey, come sleep with me. The first thing that came to Joseph's mind was, not himself, but Potiphar. He goes, how can I do this to Potiphar? He gave me all these responsibilities. He put me in charge. There's no way I can do that. It would affect him so much. You know, he could have easily committed to sin too. You know, like I said, we can justify it. Joseph could have easily said, you know what? Well, I'm not advancing on her. She keeps coming to me, right? Where well, I'm not the one flirting with her. Every day she keeps bothering me, but he doesn't. Joseph thought beyond himself and thought about how this would affect his relationship. And not even that, what does he say after that? He says, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God even more? He's like, I can't hurt God. God's the reason I'm even here. I've been sold into slavery, but look how he's brought me to the top. There's no stinking way I can do this. That's what Joseph thought. And so he excelled because he took the focus on himself. He excelled in his integrity because he thought beyond himself. He thought about other people. You know, but this is hard to do. You know, in the moment, you know, this is not something that just comes naturally. I think you have to really be intentional. You know, there's a study here in University of Michigan, They did a comprehensive study on 14,000 college students between the years of 1979 all the way into 2009, and they found a drastic decline in empathy. Crazy, right? The results were we care 40% less about other people than we did in the 80s. 40%. That's That's a lot of, that's a big percent. You know, and that was 10 years ago, guys. It stopped at 2009. I'm sure if they took the study again, those numbers would be even higher. You know, empathy. So why is this important? Because empathy is, is putting yourself in the other person's shoes. It's not like, oh, yeah, I get what they're saying. No. You try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and you try your best to feel what they're feeling. Right? So how does this relate back to integrity? Because true integrity requires empathy. If you, you know, it's not self-focused. You know, isn't that what Christianity is, though? Isn't Christianity not about yourself but the other person? Right. You know, a selfish person only thinks about them and how it affects their consequences. You know, not only did integrity help Joseph walk upright, but his integrity also helped him to be considerate, helped him be sensitive, and helped Joseph be careful in managing his trust in his relationships. You know, Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. You know, integrity has a way of opening your eyes, doesn't it? And it helps you to think about other people. But what's the opposite? Sin has the opposite effect. It has an effect to make you blind. It makes you only think about yourself. is not that have a crazy correlation? Integrity helps you to open up your eyes and see other people. Like, wow, okay, because I'm walking in integrity. But when I'm consumed in sin, I only see myself. I only see how it affects me. You know, Joseph could have said no to Potiphar's wife because it could have affected his reputation, sure but he was more concerned about how it would damage his relationship with Potiphar. Potiphar was a high government official. I'm sure he was thinking like, what would this do to his reputation if I slept through this life? You ever hear about those scandals? And when they come up in the tabloids or when they come up in the news, it doesn't just affect them, it affects their families, their friends, their works, whoever they represent. It affects a lot of people. You know, a true man and woman of integrity thinks beyond that. You know, how's this gonna affect my family, this decision? How's it gonna affect my wife? You know, if I gamble with this money, is this gonna affect our finances? If I don't read my Bible, do I have any faith to share my faith, to give to someone else, to help anybody? And then most importantly, how's this gonna hurt God? God, and if you don't have empathy towards God, And you'll never be able to walk in integrity. You know, and so this is a a sad situation. So going back to how this generation is becoming less empathetic, here's one of the reasons. Experts are saying one of the top causes of the the loss in empathy is actually the rise of social media. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) And what's social media supposed to do? Social media is supposed to help us what? Feel connected to other people, right? You're supposed to be able to click on someone's profile, like, oh, man, I feel like I, I know what they're doing. I feel like I feel so close to them. But actually, it does the opposite. Something It does something to our brains where you actually don't feel as close. You kind of see them from a distance. You know, being consumed with social media causes actually to, us to care about other people less. Uh, and, and we're actually programmed that way. If you think about it, our generation, we're all about the me generation. You, got, you know, we're like the selfie generation. It's like about me. You take pictures, let me take a selfie. You want to be in my selfie? Okay, let's be in the selfie together. It's all about me, me, me. And we don't even think about it, it's subconscious. But caring requires actions, doesn't it? You know, caring is not liking a a Facebook comment or an Instagram post, but rather loving a person in real life, isn't it? You know, the Bible says in John 420, you cannot love a brother who is seen, so how can you love God you can't see? So if we're not loving people here, how can we even love God? you're already losing the empathy. You know, look at the life of Jesus. Every time I think of Jesus in the New Testament, and I see the word compassion with Jesus, like Jesus was compassionate for the poor. It wasn't, it didn't just stop there. He did something right after. He had compassion for the poor. He fed the poor. He had compassion for the sick. He healed the sick, right? He did something with, Jesus had empathy, but he did something with it. Amen? Every single time, You know, I want you, I didn't get to have a chance to put this on my slides, but if you guys can write this down or just think about it, it really hits home. You know, I was doing some studying and reading and this tagline tagline came out. The more we obsess of social media, the more we care about yourself, excuse me, ourself, and the less we care about people. The more we obsess of social media, the more we care about yourself and the less of other people. And then the opposite, the more we obsess of Jesus, the less we care about ourselves, and the more we care about people does that make sense it's true when you and, I, and you know i say this guys in a point of weakness you know this this point actually convicts me a lot um if i can just be vulnerable you know i feel like i can add to this statistic um so i'm really preaching to myself today uh you know i just got married recently you know, about three months ago and uh i'm just realizing how narice is so easy to love she's so chill and easy and uh Uh, understanding and down to earth, Um, but it takes effort to put in quality time and if I'm really going to be a good husband, I need to limit my time on my phone and on the computer. You know, there's times that my wife will start, you know, catch me looking at my phone when she's talking to me and I don't even realize it, I'm just doing it casually and but it's hurtful to my wife because she doesn't have my undivided attention. And I don't even realize I'm doing. it. She's talking to me, and I'm listening. I'm, like, really, I'm truly listening. I'm being honest. I'm listening. But somehow my hands just automatically move, and I'm on, like, Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, babe, I'm hearing you. And then I'm, like, reading a quote. out. For me, like, when I read things, I read it out loud. <laughs> so even if I do a sermon, I have to read it out loud. If I read a text, I have to read it out loud. And so I'm, like, reading it out loud. And she's like, babe, are you listening? I'm like, uh, yeah, I am. But she doesn't believe me, because what is, what is my action show? <laughs> but it's true. I add to this, this, this you know, the stat. I add to the fact that it is self-consuming. It is taking me away. It is taking me away from people that really matter, even my wife. You know, so I'm still learning. I'm still working on ways to think beyond myself. I get caught up. I get self-focused. And so I need to learn to not just focus on me, but also to my wife. You no, know, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate. Maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's not the phone. Maybe it's some sports game. Maybe it's, you know, LeBron to the Lakers, which I'm excited. Whatever the case might be, something is taking you away from the things that matter. Amen? So you guys ever hear, hear, hear of uh, detoxes? Who's ever done a detox? Raise your hand. Not that many. Okay. So detox, there's there's like a vegetable juice detox. There's like a detox from not eating meat. Rico, I see you laughing, man. You don't do no detox, do <laughs> you? Um, You know, sometimes people do a detox with just liquids only, but it's supposed to like what, clean you out, right? It's supposed to cleanse you, reset you, start you over. So I wanna encourage you guys, this is what I'm gonna actually plan to do personally for myself, and that's the digital detox. Disconnect so you can reconnect. uh, Disconnect so you can reconnect. You know, I'm gonna try a media fast for a week or longer, I'm gonna see how good I am. But I'm gonna do it at least for a week. And I'm gonna use this time, I'm gonna realize like, man, I have so much more time. I'm probably going to notice that. And you guys are probably thinking, well, DK, I don't know if I'm going to have that much more time. Like, if I go for a digital detox, I'm not going to have that much more time to do something. Well, you'll be surprised. Let's be real. When you like a post, when you look at someone's profile, when you're filtering your pictures, if you add up all that time throughout the whole week, I'm sure that's a lot more time than you think. If we can be real, amen? So I want to encourage you guys. Try it out. Try it out with me. See what happens. See how much time that you have. and, you know, I think the Peckmans even uh, uh, mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when they were up here. But I think Catherine mentioned it, that they did a, a kind of a digital detox from media from, I can't remember, Tuesday or Thursday. And I thought that was so cool. I was actually inspired by that. But because when I go home, the first thing I want to do is just sit down, put on the TV on Sports Center. That's what I want to do. So I, I think this is a good way for me to kind of think beyond myself. Amen? And not only that, guys, here's the, here's the kicker, though. It's not just doing the digital detox. Because you can do it and that's fine. It's using that time for something else. Does that make sense? Because if you just do the digital detox, but then I'm going to, like, I don't know, go to the gym and just work out by myself, that doesn't really help either. Amen? So do the digital detox and fill it with something else. Maybe you haven't been in a lot of Bible studies with other people. Maybe jump in some more studies. Maybe you haven't been on a prayer walk with somebody. Go for a prayer walk or talk on the phone. Um, and so I want to encourage you guys. But my point is, is it takes time away from connecting with others. But imagine if you're able to turn all that off and connect with people like Jesus did. Man, what would that do? What would that do to your faith? You will probably feel like you're more on the fight, right? You won't feel like you're by yourself. And Satan could, you know, attack us with that. And guys, I'm I'm all for technology. I mean, I have an app for everything, and I'm not kidding. I have an app for everything. There's an app called, um, gosh, I can't remember what the app is, but... When you're in the movie theaters, because I'm a big movie buff, there's an app that tells you when to go pee. Look it up. I'm not kidding. I can't, can't, sorry, I'm blanking out on the name. It tells you, okay, nothing's really important happening from minute seven to nine, this is your chance. So if you had a big soda or you had a big water, it'll tell you to go out and take that pee break right now. If you miss that pee break, the next one is like 30 minutes later. So it's cool, and it tells you, and there's no spoilers, but it just tells you go right now, right now. And I think there's a live mode where it'll tell you like this second, go, go. So people really do that and quote it and put it in these apps. So there's, I'm all for apps, guys. But I think there comes a time for everything. And my point is, you know, we got to take the time to connect. Amen. My second point here. Uh, my second point here is integrity is living life above reproach, living life above reproach. We're going to go ahead and turn back to Genesis 39. We're going to focus on verse 10 or 15. And it says, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day. He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me, for he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants, look, she said to him, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to hear to sleep with me, but I screamed and when he heard me scream for help, He left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Um, So, what does it mean to live a life above reproach? What does it mean? It's not just what's minimally acceptable, but going beyond that. It's excelling, right? You're living in such a way that it's blameless. Look how Joseph went to the extremes of living a life that was above reproach. It says in verse 10 Potiphar's wife talked to him every single day, she was very persistent. But she would not stop until Joseph said something. Can you imagine being in Joseph's shoes? Here comes this beautiful, gorgeous woman. Or a handsome man, for the ladies here. Who keeps flirting with you and keeps hitting on you constantly every single day. This had to be tough on Joseph. But Joseph refused to go to bed with her. But even more than that, he refused to be even around her. Right? Isn't that what it said in verse 10? He refused to go to bed with her or even be around her. Not even taking a chance. Wow, what great integrity is that? Joseph's life was above reproach. Does this describe your integrity? You know, there is no middle ground or gray area when it comes to integrity, right? You know, integrity actually comes from the mathematical, you guys, any math wizards here? Okay, cool. So, not many again. (laughs) You know, integrity is related to the mathematical integer, one that is not divided or contains a fraction, so it's whole. Joseph wasn't living 92% to God and 8% to sin, right? Joseph was completely devoted to God. He was completely devoted and unwavering because he was above reproach. Even if people brought accusations against you, people shouldn't even believe that because you're, of a, man, you're a man and woman who are so uh, above approach on everything. That, to me, is powerful. Like, no, no way you can do that. That's not, that's not him. No way. You know, Living above reproach is living in such a way that no criticism can be made about you. You know, there's this quote that I really like, very convicting, though. Integrity means that if our private life was suddenly exposed, we'd have no reason to be ashamed or embarrassed. Integrity means that our outward life is consistent with our inner convictions. Man, is that convicting or what? If you're suddenly exposed, we'd have no reason to be ashamed or embarrassed. You know, imagine if we put your entire internet browsing history on the board, or we put your entire uh, giving statement for the church, or how consistently you've been given, or how you're spending your day, how much time you're sleeping, how much time you're having family devotionals, how much time you're spending uh, reading the Bible with your kids, how much time you're arguing with your spouse, how much time the singles are going on dates, to encourage each other if we were somehow be able to put all that up somehow I, I don't have that power <laughs> but we were able to put all that up there how would you do you know the bible says that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night and I believe that and if you're somehow able to control when Jesus comes back would you want him to come back today because you're walking upright you're living above reproach you're living your life trying to be blameless or would you want him to come back another day You know and if you're there not feeling confident i want to encourage you guys this is not to scare you guys you know i'm also preaching to me the good news is as christians is that we have god's grace through jesus amen you know we're all a working progress none of us are perfect but we need to take steps and continue to grow in our life of living above reproach amen we need to figure out every every single day we need to do like what can i do better what can i do better you know there's a there's a, a, a story in my mind that i always remember as a young christian but I got converted and became a disciple in the Long Beach campus ministry. And uh, yes, for all the campus students here. Um, And Steve Stevenson was my campus minister and my church leader at the time. And I remember he, you know, Steve has a wife named Charlie. He has two kids. Uh, They're probably around the age of nine and 10 at the time. This was like, you know, over 10 years ago. And the campus sisters used to come over to the house to babysit their kids. And if his wife, Charlie, wasn't home, I remember Steve would always leave the house and go for a prayer walk. Or he would go out and talk to a brother on the phone. And I'm like, what do you, why, why would you do something like that? He goes, bro, I don't want to be around the house. If there's any campus sisters coming over, if my wife wasn't home or another adult wasn't home. And I was like, what? I'm like, this guy is a church leader. Well respected. People know who he is. He has a wife. And he would go to that extreme. You know, that always stuck with me as a young Christian. Like, it really spoke a lot to me. He told me that once, and I was like, whoa, this is is really real. Like, people really try to live their life as Christians. You know, this is, like, really real. You know, Steve did not compromise his integrity. He wanted to be blameless before God and others so that no one could bring accusations against him. You know, if Joseph was around today, I don't think he would have confirmed Potiphar's wife's friend request on Facebook. (laughs) If Joseph was living today. In fact, I think Joseph would have been above reproach and gone as far as blocking her. You know, you can block people. Like, this person looks fish, you know, kind of weird, or you can report them to Facebook. I think that's what Joseph would have done. I don't think he would have even entertained the thought of accepting that friend request. For what? Why? You know, in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 20 to 21, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about accountability. He talks about he takes great pains to not just do what is blameless before God, but also who? Other people, right, you guys see that? But also in the eyes of man. You know, I have a quick application for you guys. And I want, to, I want you guys to journal down some areas in your life where there might not be some areas that are great. You know, we're all imperfect. But there's some areas that there's some compromises and you're not completely blameless in. And what areas can your integrity grow? You guys know what they are. Your spouses might know that they are, right? Your friends might know what they are. You know, they could be finances. Your taxes, do you cheat? Do you say, ah, it's not a big deal. I'll just put it in this bracket this year. You know, I have kids and I need to pay for bills. Is it your purity? Is it your dating relationship? Is it your marriage? Where are you compromising in? Not just finding out and journaling those, but the, the kicker is the next part. Find a partner who can hold you accountable right? Who can hold you accountable and grow in these areas? And I want to encourage everyone as we listen and talk to each other, you know, come with a lot of grace. You know, we're all sinners, right? We all fall short. But let's encourage them, amen? My last point today is integrity always rises to the top. Integrity always rises to the top. Let's go back to Genesis. In chapter 39, verse 16 to 23, it says, So she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife was told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success, whatever he did. So what do we learn here about Joseph? That you can't keep someone down if they continue to walk with integrity. You can't keep them down. Integrity always rises to the top. Every time he was in a situation that was negative, God's providence kicked in because Joseph walked with so much integrity. His path was always straight and not crooked. God always figured out a way to raise him up. You know, he gets sold to uh, slavery by his brothers. Uh, Then he becomes what? The overseer of Potiphar's house. He gets falsely accused and thrown in king's prison. Then he becomes in charge at the prison. You know, and then, you know, we don't have time to read it today, but I encourage you to go and finish out the chapters. But Joseph eventually interprets dreams, and he ultimately interprets the dream for the pharaoh of Egypt, and he gets free from prison, and he becomes second in all of command in all of Egypt. Talk about rising to the top, right? Talk about about the guy who got sold to slavery, not once but twice, got accused for sexual um, allegations, went to jail, and still rose to the top. You know if you walk with God you will always rise to the top. You know there's a cool story here that I want you to listen in on. Um, you know there was once an emperor from China who had no children and needed to choose a successor. Thousands of children from across the kingdom came to the palace and were surprised. When the emperor exclaimed that he was going to choose one of them he gave them all a seed. They were going to go home to their villages plant the seed in a pot and tend it for a whole year. When they returned in a year the emperor would judge their efforts and choose his successor. There was a boy named Ling who received a seed and returned to his village. His mother helped him to choose a pot and put some soil into it. Ling watered his pot every single day. Once a week, the children of the village would get together and to compare their plants. After a few weeks, there were signs of life in all the pots but Ling's. The weeks passed and Ling's continued to water his pot every single day. After a few months, the pots became, came uh, to life. Some had trees that started to grow, some had flowers, some had leafy shrubs. Poor old Ling still had nothing growing in his pot, leading the other children to make fun of him. Ling continued to water his pot every day. A year passed and it was time to return to the palace to show what has grown and decide on the new heir. Ling was anxious as his pot still showed no signs of life. What if they punish me? They won't know that I watered every single day. They'll think I'm lazy. His mother looked looked him in the eye and explained that whatever the consequences were, he had to return and show the emperor his barren pot. Ling and the other children entered the palace gates. By now, some of the plants were looking magnificent and the children were wondering which one of the emperors would choose. Ling was embarrassed as the other children looked at this lifeless pot and scoffed. The emperor came out and started to make his way through the crowd, looking at the massive, impressive trees, shrubs, flowers that were on display. The boys all puffed their chest out and tried to look as regal as possible, looking hoping that they would be chosen as the heir to the empire. Then the emperor came to Ling. He looked at the pot, then he looked at Ling. What happened here, he said. He goes, I watered the pot every day, but nothing ever grew, Ling muttered nervously. Then he grumbled something to himself and moved on. After a few hours, the emperor finally finished his assessment. He stood in front of the children and congratulated them on their efforts. Clearly, some of you desperately wanted to be emperor and would do anything to make that happen. But there's one boy that I stood out. I would like to point out as he has come to be with nothing. Ling, come here please. Oh no, thought Ling, he slowly sauntered to the front of the group holding his barren pot. The emperor held up the pot for all to see and all the children laughed. Then the emperor continued, a year ago I all gave you all the seed. I told you to go away, plant the seed and return with your plant. The seed that I gave you were all boiled until they were no longer viable and wouldn't grow. But I see before me thousands of plants and only one barren pot. Integrity and courage are more important values for leadership than proud displays. So, leaning here, you will be my heir. You know, I love this story. You know, this is a great example of what happens when you walk with integrity, no matter what. You know, and it might not happen in the moment. You might be thinking, like, oh, this is so difficult. You know, you might compare yourself to other people. Like, this is so difficult. But I love this passage because it shows you how integrity, if you're consistent with it, that God will lift you up in due time. Amen? And I love it. It says, it, I love this passage because it's not, I mean, I love this, this point here because it might not happen in the time that you want, but just like in Romans twelve nine, Joseph still clung to the good in every situation he was in, right? He could have gave up. He could have gave up after he was sold in slavery, but he didn't. He could have gave up when he was in prison. He didn't. He kept at it. We're going to read our, our final passage here, and we're going to close out here Psalms chapter 73, 1 through 20. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And uh, before I read this passage, excuse me, before I read this passage, you know, I want to encourage some of you guys. Some of you guys are probably walking with integrity right now. You guys have been doing it for years. You know, I want to encourage you to not give up. Thank you guys for being a great example to all of us. You know, keep walking with integrity. That inspires me. But sometimes we can walk with integrity, and you might see other people still prospering, and they're not being... walking in integrity you're doing it the right way and they're not and we can struggle i know i can't so we're going to read how this psalms felt the psalmist and we're going to go through this passage and we're going to close out psalm chapter 73 says surely god is good to israel to those who are pure in heart but as for me my feet had almost slipped i had nearly lost my foothold i'd envied the arrogant when i saw the prosperity of the wicked they have no struggles their bodies are healthy and strong they are free from common human burdens They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn up to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, "How would God know? The most high know anything. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. I had spoken out like that. I would have betrayed all your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destination. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. I don't know about you guys, but I can definitely relate to the psalmist. Sometimes we are walking with integrity. You know, maybe some of you guys, that's your strength, but it can still be a struggle when you're going to work and you're walking with integrity and you're seeing people struggle, cut corners, they're prospering, the wealthy gets richer. And you're like, God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Why is this happening? That would drive me nuts. You know, they're cheating the system, but reaping all the benefits you know, it's okay to feel tempted this way. The psalm was it too. Even if it looks like, I like this passage, because even if it looks like they're prospering, they're still taking cricket paths to do it. But in, in verse 16, I, I love how the psalms just got real. He says, when I try to understand all that, it troubled me. God, I, basically, I almost gave up my integrity. But in verse 17, he says, he entered the sanctuary of God, and then he understood their final destination. He was finally the psalmist was able to get the final peak in someone's life you know they may get the benefit now but in the end they're destroyed completely swept away by terrors. you know for christians in the end we will walk in the sanctuary of god amen so all of us that's been baptized and made jesus lord of their lives are going to walk in the sanctuary of god you know i want to encourage you guys don't throw it away for a little monetary gain don't compromise for any pleasures You can ask any minister. You know, know, I talk to ministers or just different people who've been in the ministry. Anyone that's compromising their purity or compromising their finances or compromising something, it always comes back, right? The Bible says you reap what you sow. You know, but integrity will rise to the top. In the end, someone who kept doing the right things, even though everyone wasn't, in the end, they got the glory. I don't know about you guys, but I wish I got a chance to see what the sanctuary of the Lord was like. For I can only imagine one day God says, you know, Daniel Kim, my good and faithful servant. Don't we all want to hear that? Don't we all want to hear that one day? In the end, it'll all be worth it. So I want to leave you guys with this and conclude. You know, integrity and our future are shaped to what we say yes or no to. Integrity and future are shaped by our choices. Abraham said no to Sodom's riches and yes to God's promises. Joseph said no to Potiphar's wife, but yes to faithful service. Moses said no to the treasures of Egypt and yes to a heavenly assignment. Elijah said no to Naaman's silver, and yes to selfless integrity. Daniel said no to the king's delicacies, and yes to godly consecration. Nehemiah said no to compromising negotiations, and yes to unwavering persistence. Paul said no to being burdensome to the churches, and yes to sacrificial love. Jesus said no to comfort, and yes to the cross. So in conclusion, integrity in our future are shaped by what we say yes and what we say no to. So guys, let's be a church that are people of integrity, who think beyond themselves, beyond ourselves, uh, be above reproach. And if we stick with God, with integrity, until the end, we will all rise to the top. Amen? Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.